Hello and welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. And here's how it works. Each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. We have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them, and that's it. Very simple, no fluff, lots of actionable tips and strategies that you and the guests can hopefully put to use. Today, we're going to talk about a few things, including how best to serve your audience, and do maybe a bit of a newsletter makeover for my guest. One quick note before we get started, if you find my podcast helpful, you will absolutely love my skill sessions. Speaking of newsletters, I've got two sessions available right now on that topic. The newsletter booster, which is a presentation where I show you how to grow your subscribers in five minutes a day. And the newsletter social playbook session shows you how to use social media to grow your newsletter and vice versa. You can check them both out at joshspector.com com slash sessions. So now let's get to my guest. Today, my guest is Josh Langley, who is joining us from Australia, where it is bright and early his time. So I appreciate that. Josh helps primary school age kids build mental and emotional resilience through his award-winning Being You Is Enough book series, inspiring kids' educational programs, and his school talks. His background as an advertising copywriter has helped him create unique, keep it simple and fun resources that are loved by kids, parents, educators, and child health professionals. All this is despite Josh failing high school, being unemployed for many years, and being told he'll never amount to anything. So I can honestly say that is the first guest introduction who has been told he'll never amount to anything. So congratulations on that, Josh, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Josh. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you. I love talking newsletters, and I love talking target audiences and all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to to getting into it. Let's jump right into it. What is the first thing that you want to know? For me, this is like a therapy session for my business. So thanks, Josh. <laughs> One of the things- I might use that, that. That's a good tagline. I might have to use that. By all means, $100, it'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. My, my messaging is, it's, it, look, my core message is really simple, as you explained there. It's building emotional and mental resilience in kids made really simple. Okay. That's the overall thing. Mm -hmm. But I've got a fairly broad target demographic. I've got parents. I've got teachers and I've got child health professionals. Now, each one wants something different, okay? When I'm talking to these, these different demographics, like in my newsletter, one of, the, one of the things I've got to be clear up first is that I don't have kids myself. I'm not an educator mm -hmm. and I'm not a child health professional. So I don't fit into the wheelhouse of what all these people exactly want. So I'd be very, I'm very general in what I talk about. So with my mm -hmm. newsletter that I, that I put out, I feel it's, it's a bit too generic-y and it's not delivering the value that it should. I'll give you the basic outline of it. It's, it starts off with a note from Josh, a little, little bit of it, like what's been happening in my world, an observation or something like that. And then I have upcoming events and then I have a whole series of links. Because I'm not the expert, what I do is I provide links to all these different articles, information, resources right across it. So it could be for teachers, it could be for child health experts, or it could be for parents. And then I finished mm -hmm. the newsletter off with a, like an illustration or a, a, a quirky inspirational quote or something like that. And I'm thinking it's just too broad because I know that you say it and a lot of other people say you really have to niche down and you have to talk mm -hmm. directly to your target demographic about what's important for them. And I don't want to have to create three different lists. You know what I mean? Three different mm -hmm. newsletter lists, each different target yeah. de demographic. So what do you suggest? Sure. 
Well, so for starters, the good news is I definitely do not think you need to have three different lists. And I would strongly recommend to you and everyone else, do not have multiple lists if you can in any way avoid it. So talk to me a little bit more about your audience and what you want them to do and what you're trying to accomplish separate from the newsletter. So you mentioned parents, educators, and child health professionals being the three different pieces of your audience. So talk to me about setting aside the newsletter for a second. What do you want each of those groups to do? How do you want to help? Okay. Basically it is, well, ultimately by, buy my books and buy my programs and book me for, mm-hmm. for talks. Basically that's the, the main aim, mm-hmm. but what it is, is providing, I provide a simple way of addressing important topics to kids for these people. So I create all these resources mm-hmm. that child health people can use, educators can use and stuff like that. So it's communicating that information out to these mm-hmm. people. And that's the core thing that I really want to do because it's, okay. I can, I can step in with easy products that are easily used in the classroom or used at home mm-hmm. or used in a therapy session. And it's just getting that information out there and showing how the, how that works and the difference it can make. Okay. So let me ask you this question then. Those resources are all essentially accomplishing the same thing, no matter which of those three groups of people buy them, correct? Yeah. So why do you think that their interests are not aligned? They're just going to use the resource in different ways, maybe. Actually, you're right. That's a really, that's a really good point. But I suppose it's like, I'm going to keep thinking that a, a parent what a parent's looking for, like solution-wise, is mm-hmm. different from what a child psychologist is looking for. Mm-hmm. But, but I suppose when you simplify it, really it all comes down to is communicating simple messages to kids, whether it's the parent doing it or whether mm-hmm. it's the child psychologist doing it. And that's, that's what I provide is that yeah. sort of thing. So I think, and this is, I think it's, your situation is really common. And I think a lot of times what happens is we're sort of talking about niche and target audience here, but people default to thinking about demographics, right? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at this and going, well, parents are different than child health educators and that's different than schools. And you're right. Demographically, they are very different, but what they need psychographically, what they want to do and the value of what you provide is actually the same, which is why when I turned it around and said to you, you sort of went, oh yeah, they kind of are this. All of a sudden they seem the same. And the reason why they seemed the same when I sort of repositioned it and asked you about it is because we were talking more about a psychographic sort of what do they want? What do they want to accomplish and how does your stuff help them do that? So once you shift and look that way, right, a niche can be just as much about what people want as who they are. So who they are, your audience is very different. What they want from you and the way you can help them is the same. So the key is your newsletter should be built around what they want and what you help them do, not necessarily who they are. So that's the first thing. So automatically it all becomes more aligned. The second thing to understand is, and and I think it'll be helpful for you. I'm going to put this in terms of my own newsletter. My newsletter, which anyone can check out at fortheinterested.com slash subscribe, is geared towards helping creative entrepreneurs grow their audience and business. I share every, I have a daily, a weekly daily edition that's a one paragraph newsletter. And then on Sunday is a longer newsletter with a bunch of curated stuff. So typically there's five main links in that Sunday issue. Now I might share a link to an article about how to grow your podcast. Maybe, I don't know specifically, but I would guess less than 20% of my audience has a podcast. 
that is not relevant to 80% of my audience. And I might have another link about how to use Twitter. And again, a lot of my audience doesn't use Twitter. That's not relevant to them. And then I might have another one about how to price products. Maybe most of my audience has products, so maybe that's relevant to more people. And then I might have another one about how to manage your schedule or be more productive, right? Which would be more broadly relevant. But the key here is if you have multiple pieces of content, your goal when you send a newsletter, and this is true for any niche in any newsletter, is to have one thing that every person on your list, everyone on your list, you want them to find one thing so valuable that they're going to open the next time. So when I share five links, I am not trying to find five things that my whole audience is going to like. I'm trying to make sure that the balance and the mix, the curation of those five things ensures that there's something, there's at least one thing for everyone in my audience to go, wow, I clicked that and that was amazing. I'm going to open it again. With your newsletter, let's say that you might go, I have these three groups and I want to make sure in each issue, number one, the overall theme of my newsletter is going to be talking about how to help kids make you know, how resources and how you can help kids deal with these topics and that kind of that should be universally of interest and value to your audience. But within that, you might go, I'm always going to have one thing, or most of the time I'm going to have one thing that speaks to schools, one thing that speaks to parents, one thing that speaks to the other. When you're talking about, let's say one of those things is a resource designed to be used in schools, you know that those people that aren't in schools aren't going to care about that. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because you have something else in the newsletter for them. Again, all you need is that one thing. And so that's, that's a really good point because I wasn't segregating into that because mm -hmm. I do put about maybe eight links in there, but now with the conscious idea of going, okay, well, these two links are going to be for teachers. These two links are going to be for parents. These two links yep. are going to be child health professionals. Then you're ticking off all those boxes, aren't you? Yeah. And this is, there's no right or wrong here. You can actually label the sections if you want. You could mm -hmm. go school tips, healthcare tips, parent tips, yeah, whatever, yeah. or you don't have to, right? You just share the stuff and people will find their own thing. The key is that when you are getting ready to send an issue, you want to look at it and you go, if I was a parent, would I find at least one thing in here valuable enough for me to open again? If I was at a school, would I find one thing enough, et cetera? The other thing this is going to do for you is when you start thinking about your links in that way is there will be people that you might see their email address and you don't know what they are. You don't know if they're a parent, if they're an educational professional, if they're schools, whatever. This is also going to give you interesting data because you're going to be able to look and see who clicked what link. So for example, if you share a resource about how to teach X topic in schools, anyone that clicked that probably is in the schools segment. So now for your follow-up messaging, for your sales pitches, for your whatever, and it doesn't have to be automated, but just when you have something that you want to go out to them, you can go, let's see who clicked the advice for squirrels link. And it basically is lead generation for you to segment your audience in terms of, oh, these are the people that, you know, maybe you have a special pitch for schools. And instead of sending it to your whole list, you go, I'm going to send it to the people who have been clicking the school advice links. Right. Oh, so and narrow down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I can do that. I've got that. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm sure. So now you're, so not only does the, not only do you not need multiple newsletters and, and your messaging of your newsletter and why to sign up is about this transformation, this, it, it, that appeals to everybody, but you're now programming or curating your newsletter in a way to speak to those specific audiences and using the data you get to identify and then further hone in on, on who you want to reach. So does all that make sense? Yeah, that's good. I like that. I like that. Cool. One other thing I just wanted to touch on here that, I, and I, it's, 
something you said that I thought was really interesting. And again, I think is applicable to a lot of people. You talked about, and I forget exactly the words you used, but you talked about the idea that you do this thing, but you're not necessarily an expert or have firsthand experience. You don't have kids. You're not a teacher. You're not X, Y, and Z. I think that's true and it's valid. You know, I have people say to me all the time, like, well, but I'm not an expert. I think that word expert is very, can be very tricky and misleading because it's very easy to play into imposter syndrome and go, well, I'm not an expert. I don't have the degree in that. I'm not an expert. I don't have a, I haven't built a million dollar company or whatever it is. But the truth is expertise is there's all sorts of things that you're an expert. All it means is that you've done more than a person that's done less. So for example, one of, the, one of the examples I use is someone says, oh, I've only written five blog posts. How could I present myself as an expert blogger? Well, you're not an expert blogger, but compared to the person who does, the person who's trying to figure out how to set up a blog in the first place, you're an expert in that compared to them, you yeah. set it up. So understanding that you have, while you may not have those credentials, which is what you're talking about, you do have a different set of credentials and you do have a different set of expertise. So you've been doing this, like you said, you've been going to schools, you've been, you have way, you, it's the difference between expertise and experience. You yeah, have a lot of, ex, you have a lot of experience, which I would argue is expertise, it's just not the traditional, I have kids, I got a degree in education, I did whatever. I don't think you should feel the, the sort of, oh, well, I'm not an expert and that's tricky and downplay yourself. I would go the opposite and go, yeah, okay, maybe I don't have a degree, but there's lots of people that have a degree in education that have not been in the schools talking to however many hundreds of people that I've talked to. I, would, I don't want to say unrelated because I think it can be related, but you have separate expertise that you bring that they don't have. So you might go, yeah, there's lots of teachers who have not studied advertising and copywriting and understand how to actually connect a message. So mm -hmm. they got their degree and they're a certified graduate, whatever educator, but that doesn't mean they're actually a good communicator. I'm bringing this, this whole other set of expertise and skills. And by the way, may not be for everyone. That's okay. But I think mm. you don't want to come at it from this place of, yes, it's true. Maybe you don't have kids, but lots of people that have kids don't have the experience and expertise that you have. I think it's important not to sell yourself short, which again, I'm not just saying for you, I see this all the time, but understanding that people, I think, think about expertise as this binary, I'm an expert or I'm not an expert based on these credentials, where I think everyone has expertise. It's just a matter of what your unique combination and part of expertise is. And that what you're actually saying is not choose me because I'm an expert as opposed to not an expert, but choose me because I have this type of expertise. And mm. this is what will help you in this situation. And it actually can become a really big strength and a differentiator for you compared to other people that they're going to maybe bring in, right? I have no idea what competition looks like in mm. your world, but if a school's trying to figure out, we want to bring someone in to talk about X, Y, and Z, we can bring in the psychologist who's been a, in a library studying for their graduate degree, or we can bring in the guy who's a master communicator and understands mm. how to communicate with kids and has been doing this, et cetera. I, so I love, just, I love the point you, you said about communicating and that's, mm -hmm. That's one of the things I suppose I've been trying to work out. What is that point of difference? And is actually the word communicating. Communicating. Mm -hmm. Basically, I'd communicate in a different way to a lot of other people. And it's simple. 
And that's the advertising experience brings that in. And that allows me to do that. But yeah. as you said, it's that, it's that everyone has that imposter syndrome because you're comparing mm -hmm. yourself to people who maybe you shouldn't be comparing yourself to like mm -hmm. a child psychologist or a teacher and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I really, I really appreciate that kind of perspective. So, and I think I love that you said, I love that you said communicating because I also think that goes into the newsletter and your overall messaging and positioning, right? You're helping all three of those groups better communicate. It's exactly. not just, it's it. right. It's not just that you're helping kids better understand how to do stuff. You're also helping them figure out how to better communicate these these messages. Exactly. Yeah. And that is something that all three of those groups want. And that mm. is very compelling. And also, again, depending how you do it and, and how it all works, I assume, there's one version where you're going in and you're doing the communicating, but there's another big piece of this that you're helping them become better communicators. And, and I think big, that that's sort of the bigger piece. Yeah. It's giving the, giving the right tools for the parents, educators, whatever, to communicate these messages in a really simple way. So that's one of the skills that I have in doing that for them. So that's what I offer them. Well, and here's, and here's what's interesting. And again, I'm just taking a quick look at your website, which by the way, is John, we'll put a link in the show notes, joshlangley.com.au. But so right now the headline on your website is Josh Langley, inspiring kids and empowering parents. Maybe it should be reversed. Maybe it's empowering kids to empowering parents to inspire kids. The other thing I would say is we think communication is a big piece of this. Where is that word? I don't think it's anywhere, not only in the headline, but I don't know that it's even anywhere on your homepage. And so well, that's something to- that, Josh? Well, this is funny. <laughs> I know. You mean you're not changing it on the fly? Uh, but so, but I think, and again, this is an example for, for everyone that's watching and listening to this is, yeah, you're right. So we're doing this on the fly and that's the next step. The next mm. step is, oh, I'm getting clear on my audience and my messaging. Now I'm going to go look at everything that already exists. And is that in there? And how do I weave that in there? And, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah. there you um, go. Look, it, it's sadly, I'm, I'm the, the architect who never finishes his own house. I'm <laughs> been in advertising for 25 years. And when it comes to promoting, you're looking at myself, it's like, so that's, that's, uh, that's do. everyone. It, it's yeah. so much harder to do. I'm the same way. It's so much harder to do mm -hmm. your own, your own stuff. Mm -hmm. So let's get to your second question. What is the next thing you want to know? Well, really it was about how do you actually add proper value? Cause it's like the mm -hmm. different, I heard that you can either have a newsletter that adds value or you could yep. have an email marketing strategy where you are just constantly promoting your products or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and I think now having this conversation, I've now worked out that the newsletter that adds value, but at the same time, it does promote different products and different services that mm -hmm. I've got. So I think the two can be combined. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So let me talk a little about just my own kind of definition of, because I think a lot of people use the terms interchangeably, but my own definition of like newsletter versus email marketing. I view a newsletter as something designed to provide value to the audience. And I view email marketing as something designed to extract value from the audience. Yes. Yes. The irony is a newsletter is the best form, the strongest form of email marketing. The more consistent value you give to people, the more value you will wind up extracting. So the first thing, and by the way, both are fine, but I think the first thing, and it sounds like you've already made a decision on this, which is one that I agree with, is what do you want to do? Do you want to use email just to sell and try to get value from people? Or do you want a newsletter that in and of itself is providing value on a regular basis? I always recommend the newsletter route. It sounds like you're, you're on that on that same page. 
So then the question becomes, and this goes into what we talked about a little bit before, but who do you want to provide value to? And what's that value that, you know, you want to, to give them? This is where I think us honing in a little bit on the communication piece helps because knowing you're writing a newsletter to help show them how to communicate better about these topics is really different than writing a newsletter that's just, I want to tell them about my resources. The newsletter is a teaching tool and they're going to sign up because they want to learn how to communicate better. Here's where it gets interesting. And this is where alignment is so important. The reason someone's going to sign up for your newsletter should be the same reason they're going to buy whatever it is that you're selling. That seems obvious, but you see lots of people that don't do this. They write a newsletter that's about the topic, but it's not actually aligned with the transformation or the change that they ultimately want. So in this scenario, if someone signs up for a free newsletter about how to better communicate with their ki with kids about these topics, the logical next step is they go, wow, this newsletter is great. That's really helpful. Now they're gonna, they might not buy, they won't all buy, but some of them will buy it. It's very logical for them to go, oh, here's a bigger way that he can help me. Right. So that alignment, you want the newsletter to be a lot. And I'm not even talking about promotion right now, but they signed up because they want to get some change. They want to make some transformation. They want to improve something. And your product, your paid products do the same thing. So it's a very logical step up and you wind up with much better sort of conversion rates. Right. The other thing I would say about this is when it comes to sort of niche, which is another piece of this is look. There are no rules with what you can do with a newsletter. So a lot of times people push back and they go, do I have to be that narrow of a niche? Do I have to only talk about this? I also want to talk about this and that and whatever. The truth is you can do whatever you want. You just have to understand that it has, what are you ultimately trying to accomplish? So yeah. sometimes people will say to me, I don't understand why I can't just write about whatever I want in my newsletter. And my answer to that is you can, you just can't necessarily expect an audience to sign up for it or the right audience to sign up for it. Or if you write about politics one week and sports one week and this the next week, people might like it, but it doesn't mean they're going to buy your consulting yeah. service. That has nothing to do about that, right? Being strategic in what you're doing. And that's why also before we talked about these are your three audiences, the newsletter, each issue should have something for, for those three audiences will help. And, and I think let's actually work backwards from there. So setting aside audience, what do you want to happen? You want people to ultimately buy what from you? Yeah, I want, to, I want, want them to buy the, the, the online programs, the books and book me for, for the school talks or any, or parent talks and stuff like that. So okay. that's the ultimate goal, but in yep. the process is also to empower, obviously the, the parents will like, mm -hmm. give them the, 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 the knowledge and the skills that they can communicate these important topics that I talk about to their kids. So, mm -hmm. so I think it's very, that's a, then that's a very straightforward your newsletter is just, look, I'm giving you all these things. I also think whenever possible to focus on actionable stuff can really simple, really, really simple, quick advice, right? If you can give, so here's an example, right? If you can, in your newsletter say, I'm make, totally making this up, but if you've noticed that your kid seems anxious, here's a question that you can ask them at the dinner table that will prompt a conversation and get you into a conversation about that without them feeling threatened or blah, blah, blah. Like that simple, that simple thing of, I'm going to give you one question that you can ask. And let's say that person, so really easy. Let's say that person reads it and they go and do it and they go, oh my God, that was like a powerful conversation I had with my kid. 
That was super helpful. Yeah. The difference between the likelihood of that person to buy any of your products compared to the person that you hadn't given that quick win, even if they're interested, is night and day. Now, if you're doing that over and over and over again, that's how you get to the point where people are like, please just take my money. Because you have helped them so much. And I think the key here, I think one of the keys here is those small simple, quick wins. I think sometimes think that people are providing more value because they're like, look, I wrote this ultimate guide. Here's an example, same same story, but a different version. Instead of giving the person the sort of one simple question to ask at the dinner table to spark a conversation, you write a 10,000 word blog post about how to help your kid with anxiety. And there's 8 million things to do and you're gonna take 20 minutes to read it. And it's all this stuff. In the creator's mind, often that seems like the more valuable thing. In actuality, the other one's the more valuable thing because it's quick and easy and simple and 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 not intimidating to people. It's doable. They're more likely to do it. And so not only does that give give the audience member, the reader, whatever, a quick win and sort of proof of value, it also sends a message to them that the way you operate is not going to be overwhelming. That if I hire you or if I pay whatever, it's not going to be all this additional work for me. That this guy gets that I'm busy and yes, I want to do this and whatever. But I think you see this a lot of times, especially with people who sell courses and stuff like that. People might be interested, but they're, again, they think they're doing it right. And they're going, I got this new course and you're going to get, there's eight hours of videos and worksheets and templates and like all this stuff. And the person on the other end is going, I want to learn this, but that sounds overwhelming. I don't have time for that. My skill sessions are, I was having a conversation with someone the other day. They're one hour video presentation workshops. And I put one out once every two months. That is very intentional. They're not this course that's 20 hours. There's not a community message board that people, it's not a cohort where we're going to meet every Wednesday for 12 weeks. For example, the newsletter booster, like 45 minutes, I'm going to give you this presentation. I'm going to show you 30 ways or something to get news, newsletter subscribers in five minutes a day. And then there's a 15 minute Q&A at the end of it. And that's it. And you can buy it and just watch that, or you can become a member and you get to go to all of them. And, but again, all of them is once every two months, get the information, go make it actionable, go put it into action. See you again in two months on another topic. So and that's the whole concept is the keep it simple, stupid. That's yeah. the idea, yep. isn't it? That's what I do with all my stuff. Yep. It's the communicating of that, my own communication of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you think you have to add value, keep adding value, keep adding value Mm -hmm. when it just actually ends up weighing everything down. Yeah. Yeah. And and also people, again, like, especially with what you're doing, there are people, they're intimidated by this. They're, it feels overwhelming. I don't know where to start. I don't like, how am I going to, some of this is heavy, weighty topics and they just don't know. Like anyone that would ever consider paying you a dollar for anything would be willing to ask one question at the dinner table to their kid. If they're not willing to do that, they're never going to buy from you. So it's like, you want to make, you want to make it so simple and basic that, and again, once it works and they get some result, now the whole thing has changed because they're like, wow, this guy really does know something like that was amazing. I wonder what else, how else he could help me. And by the way, also in the space you're in, because parents are such a connected community, the other thing they're going to do is they're going to tell their friends. They're going to go pick up the kid at school and they're going to see the other parent and go, Lydia, hear this. We asked the kid the question the other day and listen to what he said. And that parent's going to go try it. And so you're going to get some built-in word of mouth, which is also, also cool.
Okay, so let's get to your third question. What is the last thing you want to well, know? The third question basically touched on it was it's consistency. I am mm -hmm. terribly distracted. I will come up with a whole content strategy mm -hmm. of how I'm going to roll out my social media, how I'm going to put everything, and I'll do it for a month. I get bored and then I move on yep. and I do something else. And then I find myself sitting in bed in the morning going, What am I going to post this morning when I should have actually automated it all for the month or the week or whatever? And, not. and it's just, What hacks do you have? to remain consistent. I think a lot of people have this problem. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I'm going to mention and we'll put in the show notes is I've talked about before this idea of creating a content library and I will put the link and you should go watch that. And it's basically a very simple system to create 30 pieces of content and you're good and you're reusing them and that kind of stuff. But separate from that, I think there's a few things. So number one, and I think after talking to you now, I think the answer to this is probably yes, but being clear, are you sure you want to do what you're doing? Because it's hard to be consistent, even if you're interested in it and like it and care about it. It's basically impossible to be consistent if it's a thing you don't really want to do or don't re aren't really excited to do. Yeah. I think you're excited about this. So I don't yeah. think that's an issue. But I do think for a lot of people, I find that it actually is. They're like, oh, I hate using Instagram, but I feel like I have to post all the time. And it's, well, you don't have to do that. The second thing when it comes to social media is... I don't know how many social, how many platforms you're using, but most people are using too many. I recommend using I, one platform, two at most. I um, use Instagram and I use mm -hmm. Facebook and LinkedIn to cover okay. my bases only because most parents are on Instagram or mm -hmm. moms are on Instagram yep. and, and also on Facebook, but LinkedIn also for the professional, for child mm -hmm. development people. But also one of the other things is to keep myself interested. I like also writing about the process behind running a business like this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not all just about helping kids and helping families. I actually talking about all this sort of stuff and what mm -hmm. machinations go on behind the scenes. So that's why I use LinkedIn for that as well, because that sort of fills my cup at the same time. So I'm on so, free. So here's what I would say about that. So let, let's take the sort of LinkedIn piece. It's fine. Again, it's fine to post and do whatever you want. But if that's not, I was talking about alignment before, right? So if you talking about how you're running a business, maybe it's, I'm separating hobby from work, right? So if you're doing that because you just want to do that, that's not actually attract. It's not actually speaking to your target audience. If you're talking about behind the scenes of building your business, that's fine if you want to do it because you enjoy it. Understand that that's a hobby. That's not. That doesn't count as I'm investing in time in social media mm -hmm. for my business. That's yeah. the equivalent of playing guitar. You're just doing some other thing that has it's, nothing to do. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing to do with your business. That said, I do think, and I don't know exactly what kind of stuff you're posting. Let me actually, let me go to your LinkedIn here. No, don't go to my link. It's a dollar yeah. breakfast. Okay. But <laughs> I was going to say, there... I get very impulsive. Like I may post up something about something motivational about overcoming anxiety or something like mm -hmm. that to, 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 so I've got this motto about always showing up, mm -hmm. regardless of how you're feeling, what's going on, keep showing up and then the world opens up for you. So I talk about mm -hmm. stuff like that on LinkedIn, plus some things that I'm doing. And So here's the, here's the other X factor with this. I'm trying to pull up your post. Because the, the other X factor with this is you may be able to accomplish both with just a slight tweak of perspective. So I'm just looking at your post and I'm trying to see, like, what would be an example of something you posted that you would say is sort of business? Here's an example. 
So you wrote on letting fear be your guide. Okay. So, so you say so often when we feel afraid of doing something, we recoil and hide when really feeling that fear and walking into it is what pushes us to do amazing things. Fear, doubt, anxiousness, trepidation, all are good signs that we're pushing ourselves into spaces that can help us learn, grow, and be better people to live a life less ordinary. Not talking about jumping into a pit of writhing pythons or jumping out of a perfectly good plane. I'm talking about writing a book, going on stage, being asked to give a lecture, quitting a job that no longer serves you building an online course when you think you're not qualified, sharing your artwork, et cetera. As Jolene from Life Lessons Global says, I felt afraid, but I went ahead and did it anyway. So put the middle finger up to a life of mediocrity and show up, turn up, feel that delicious fear and discover that you really can do amazing things. By the way, I'm currently working on a project to help people work through their fear so they can do exactly that. Okay, so that's a good post. That's not that far off from your niche and target audience. So let me ask you a question. At the end of that post, when you say, by the way, I'm currently working on a project to help people through their fear so they can do exactly that. Is that related to your business or that's a sort of separate thing? It's going to be a separate thing. It's not related okay. to, the, to the kids stuff, the inspiring kids stuff. No. Okay. So, okay. So, here, so here's what's interesting, right? So this post, which is all about letting fear be your guide, it would be very easy to literally say like the same thing that you said, but put it through the filter of your work. So for example, I'm just going to add like an intro to that. When I'm talking to kids, when I'm communicating with kids and helping them understand X, Y, and Z or whatever, I always encounter the same thing, fear. They're not the only ones that have that fear and blah, blah, blah. What they don't realize is fear can be our guide. So all I've done is packaged the thing that you want to say. Almost anything you want to say can probably be made relevant to your niche especially with you in the niche that you're in and what I assume are your interests. So that is a great post. But if you just add that packaging, it becomes a subtle reminder to anyone that sees it. Oh, this guy communicates with kids. And oh, I would love to have someone help me communicate this message mm -hmm. to kids. Once you understand that you can put anything, it's almost like a box, right? The niche is a box that you're putting around anything you want. I'll give you another example. I used to run social media for the Academy of Motion Pictures and the Oscars, okay? I could take that exact post that you just have there if I wanted, and I could package it by literally adding something that's, what's the difference between a great filmmaker and a mediocre filmmaker? They lean into their fear. Yeah. They understand that fear is our guide, blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing. It's just themed to the audience that I want it to speak to. Mm. Adding a layer of relevance, especially when you're talking about stuff like that, that is really broadly relevant to just about anyone. That's not that hard to tweak and package. I'll give you another example of how you could do this. That same thing. You could, let's say you do, let's say you do recurring posts that are like those kinds of perspectives. Mm. You could just package them as a story to read to your kid today or a concept. You could literally package this. Is, this is, again, I'm doing this on the fly. So this is, this is lame. But conceptually, you could go better bedtime stories or yep. bedtime postscripts. And you have these little things and you go tonight at, and by the way, this can tie back into your newsletter of like simple exercises. When you read your kid a story tonight, after the story, read them this thing about fear. Bedtime inspo. Yeah. Exactly. So now, but so now you've taken the thing that you want to say that you're passionate about saying, and you just added that little tether that makes it not only relevant, but makes it a great post in your niche. Mm. And so now the traction that you're getting from it, because I haven't even looked, I have no idea like if that post did well or not or whatever, but you know, now everyone is knows he's not just a guy who's sharing whatever happens to be on his mind. This is what he does.
And what really gets interesting, again, if you did frame it as like bedtime inspo and you did these sort of recurring things, maybe you get to a point where people start commenting. Maybe you add a question at the end that says, if you share this with your kid, I'd love to hear what their reaction was. Now you get comments. Oh, I read it to Susie tonight and listened to what she said. Oh my God, this was amazing. Those comments are social proof. Wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. So it's, it's, it's funny and you see this all the time, like the tiniest of tweaks, the tiniest of packaging or additions can massively change even the success of a post. Because now there's a difference between I'm just sharing an idea that's interesting and valuable and maybe people like it. And I've now made it actionable because I'm giving you a way to use it. I'm giving you something to do with it other than just going, oh, that was interesting. Yeah, like I should lean into my fears or whatever. Make it relevant. Would you also, because then you could actually, instead of having it just put it on LinkedIn, actually Mm -hmm. have it, tweak it a bit, put that as the the beginning part of a newsletter. And then you can then read And, and so the short answer is yes, Mm. but I would also, you can link to it from the newsletter, which drives people into, let's say this LinkedIn, right? Drives them into LinkedIn, which is going to get you all the engagement in LinkedIn. It's going to boost you in the algorithm. People are going to follow you. They're going to share it. They're going to whatever. So that will get you even more than it's funny. I referenced before the, the newsletter social playbook that I just did as one of my skill sessions and a big part of it, everyone uses social to grow their newsletter. They forget about the opposite that you have a newsletter that you can drive people. It's like an algorithm cheat code because the algorithm doesn't show it to all your followers, but in your newsletter, you can send people right there. And again, if you, this gets into packaging, but if this becomes a recurring thing, once a week, once every two weeks, whatever you do this bedtime inspo, you could even have a section of your newsletter. This week's Mm. bedtime inspo story. This week we're talking about fear. Here's what, you know, here's a 500 word, whatever. Here's a hundred word thing to, to share or read to your kids. Packaging on social media is really interesting because it makes things feel much bigger Mm. than they are. So I'll give you an example. I have a blog post and we'll link to it where I shared some examples about packaging of social media posts, but here's a good one. So years ago, Lin-Manuel Miranda on Twitter, every morning, his first tweet would be like a good morning tweet. He'd say good morning and say something. And his last tweet of the day would say good night and say something. He wound up, it became really popular, like his good morning and good night tweets. All they were were regular tweets about whatever he felt like saying. But by adding that good morning and good night and adding the timing by packaging them, it felt like more. All these other celebrities are just tweeting random stuff. And Lin-Manuel is doing the good morning, good night. He wound up publishing a book of his good morning and good night tweets. And that it's funny because your background in advertising, like you'll get this. That's just the packaging of the information, making it feel and seem better. There's a comedian, Gary Goldman, another example. He, a few years ago, I think started on like New Year's Day and Every day, once a day, he would share some bit of advice for comedians, something he had learned in his career and how to do it. Lots of comedians share lots of advice. He could have done that without even saying he's doing it every day and just regularly done it. But by him saying, and I forget, he, I think he called it something, like I don't know if it was like the 365 day project or whatever it was, right? The packaging of it, of saying, I'm doing this once a day and it comes out, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden it was bigger and you had all these comedians Oh, you should go follow, follow Gary because every day he does the, he's doing this 365 days of advice and blah, blah, blah. And it became a thing within that niche and within that community. It's just the packaging. 
the stuff was good, right? The tweets are good yeah. and it doesn't work if you have good packaging and crap, crappy content. But that little tweak, that packaging, that branding can make a huge difference in how social posts perform. The other thing I would say, jumping back to the consistency part, two things obviously that you want to do and that you're interested in. Another is if you have trouble on this ongoing basis, commit to smaller batches of work. So create a, so here's an example just from social, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. So you might go having to post on like LinkedIn and Instagram and all this stuff, like infinitely forever for the rest of my life is just draining and inevitably I get bored with it. So instead go, I'm going to do 30 days of X on LinkedIn, 30 days of inspo posts or 30 days of 30 days of fear, whatever, whatever it is, right? This is going to be anxiety week. So you do it however you want, but by creating these sort of small batches, you give yourself a clear beginning and end and the ability to, you can always continue it and go, this is fun. I'm liking this. I'm going to do more, but you also give yourself an out to, okay, well, next week I'm going to do a different theme or next month I'm going to do a different theme or next month I'm not going to do anything. You give yourself the sort of flexibility and you don't feel like you're forever on the hamster wheel and it allows you to go, well, what am I interested in for this week, for this month, for this whatever? So that sort of small batch thing can help with some of that. And then the last thing I would say is I think a lot of times when people struggle with consistency, some of it is a fear of failure or a frustration that they feel like it's quote unquote not working. Yeah. My guess is, especially with social, you're posting into the void and you're going like, I don't know, I'm getting a couple likes. And you don't know, you know. whether it's the algorithm or whether actually the content is is right. not good or it just really depends. And you, you, you're judging yourself yep. on this on this kind of feedback. Even though you might have a great post, post one thing one day and you get 500 yep. likes or something, the next day you got three, you got crickets. You so, know. and there's a lot, there's a lot of randomness. So the other thing that can help with that is to gamify it and basically run experiments. Because what a lot of times happens is people are just posting all the time and they intuitively feel like it's working, it's not working. They're not actually measuring anything and they're not actually thinking about it. You might create for yourself your own, again, little game or experiment or whatever. And you might go, okay, I'm going to publish post a day for this week on LinkedIn. And at the end of the week, I'm going to look at the two best performing posts yeah. and I'm going to make a theory about why they did well. Maybe that, maybe I think this one did well because of the topic. Maybe I think this one did well because I asked a question in it, whatever your theory is. And you go next week, I'm going to do two posts, each of those formats. So the one that was a question, I'm going to do two posts that have questions and I'm going to do two posts that are on that same topic that I did last week. And then I'm going to do three more random posts as experiments. So you're literally iterating as you go, but actually doing it purposefully as opposed to I'm just putting stuff out there and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And it can, over time, you're, you're learning. And so you, you'll start to see, because you're very being very much more strategic about it and going, oh, when I do this, this works better. And I also think it can help with your interest because even the posts that don't work, and by the way, work is all relative, right? If you're not getting much traction and one post gets two comments and the others get none, it's easy to go, I only got two comments, who cares? But now you're going, well, this one was clearly better than the others. You're looking at it in com in relative comparison as opposed to looking at it, well, that person gets 8 million likes and I got two. No, what's interesting is why did you get two on this one and you got none on the others? Yeah, There's yeah. something there. 
can you build on that? And so I think that can, again, depending on the kind of person you are, but it can, the, the gamification of it, the experiment, the sort of very specific strategic, I can tell you, so I've been doing for a while, for the past few months, I started posting like a thread a day on Twitter. By the way, I'm also repurposing lots of content, which is a whole other thing. You probably have great content in your resources that you can be repurposing. You don't need to yep. reinvent the wheel. But so I started doing that. And literally every day I have a document where I would just go, okay, here's the thread that I posted and here's how many people it reached. And I could identify which ones were the winners and the winners I repurpose and post again three months later. And I look at them and go, well, this one worked. Okay. Well, maybe there's something there. Why did that work? It's a guessing game, but it's a game. And that's really different than just going, I keep posting stuff and nothing's happening. And I don't know if this is worth it. That's You've also hit on a great point is that because we we are always posting the content. You think, okay, well, I posted that. It didn't do much, but that was six months ago or well, three months ago. Half of your audience didn't see it. So therefore it's okay to actually post it again. Yep. To repost content, yep. which which you go, oh, I've already used it. No, repurpose yep. it. Reuse it because it's your audience. Over and over yeah. and over again. And, yeah. and by the way, that repurposing is everywhere. So you might have a conversation with someone. If you give a presentation, let's say in a school and a teacher comes up to you and says, hey, that line you said about X was amazing. A million percent that should be become a LinkedIn post. If you have an email exchange, someone asks you a question. For example, let's say you send a pitch to somebody. I'll use schools as an example, right? You send a pitch and the person writes back and says, this sounds really good, but you know, what happens if the kids do why? Your answer to them should become a LinkedIn post. Yeah. I do, I give talks in schools all the time. A lot of times people wonder what happens if the kids do this, this is what, whatever. Anytime someone asks you a question about anything, that should become, your answer should be a social post because they are not the only one with that question. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. It's the yeah, easiest I way. Libraries from libraries and schools. And so my yep. responses. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, and for I you, kids, you just think, oh, this is just normal, yep. normal stuff. But, but what will happen is you'll start to train yourself. You, you'll start to get in the habit of understanding Literally, I love when people ask me questions. I'm like, oh, well, that's a new post. If you, if you answer it. And if you do, I assume when you do stuff with kids, like you might get questions from kids. It could be unbelievable posts. Oh yeah. I, I was given that. a, I, I do that. Yeah. The silliest things. In the I'm sure, I'm sure it's great. So I think all of that stuff, part of the struggle to be consistent is feeling like you have to constantly pull stuff out of thin air. When you start to realize that you don't have to invent it, you're just collating all the stuff that you're already doing, it becomes much easier to create content. Yeah, I like that. I like cool. That. Yeah. So there you go. So your LinkedIn's about to, about to blow up. Josh, this was awesome. Thank you for getting up early. I know lots of people have similar questions to the ones that you ask. Let everyone that is watching and listening know where can they find you? Where can they get your newsletter? Where can they check out your stuff? Okay, just go to my website, joshlangley.com.au and then all the links are there. So links to Facebook and LinkedIn and obviously Instagram as well. Thank you, Josh. Cool. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you. And for me, my newsletter, fortheinterested.com slash subscribe. If you would like to come on the show and ask me three questions, just submit them at joshspector.com slash questions. And I'm on Twitter all the time at jspector. My skill sessions, again, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love them. joshspector.com slash sessions. And yeah, that's enough. I will see you or be in your AirPods next week. Thanks for watching.